welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 286. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. So, here's the thing. My daughter really wanted to make muffins. Um, she uh, whipped up the batter, she was totally committed, she was into it, there was no turning back. She was going for sort of a uh, the muffin version of a cinnamon roll. She gets into it, only to discover no cinnamon in the house. Now, if you have a batter sitting there, you, it's not like you can just go run to the store with this this uh, live batter waiting for you. Uh, she had no backup in uh, add-ins, you know, chocolate chips, blueberries, um, and nothing else in the house that she really wanted to put in the muffins. So she she just you know. Decide. All right, plain muffins it is. So they came out. Uh, they're lovely. Uh, they're muffins, but they're kind of plain. But I discovered, and this is a secret for you folks, the Atari Bytes listeners only. You take a plain muffin, you spread a little hazelnut spread on there. It's pretty delightful. I gotta tell you. So, uh, as we're recording today, I think last time recorded. I violated the rules by eating uh, a delightful pudding. Uh, man, I wish I had some more pudding. Anyway, um, this time I'm violating the rules by uh, enjoying a lovely muffin. Why am I doing that? Well, because it's my show and I make the rules. So that's what I'm doing. To make things worse, my poor kid had to perform with the high school dance team last night in roughly 150 degree weather at a sort of a, a roaring 20s themed event uh, here in town. And she had to wear a, a flapper outfit that she hated. Uh, not just her. The whole team hated it. Again, as I noted, in like 150 degree weather. One of those days where, you know, it's a nice outdoor event. They have nice music. It's all very, very uh, civic and all that. But it's way too hot to actually stay there. So that was disappointing. It's been a, uh, a rough weekend for the kid, is what I'm saying. Hopefully, your lives are going much better. You know what else is rough? The fact that as this episode is going out... I believe it is the end of the 20, the, the increasingly misnamed 2020 Olympics. And to honor the closing of the Olympic Games, this episode we're playing the maybe a bit too on the nose named Video Olympics. Uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. First, we have some feedback. Patreon supporter Michael Tyler, hi Michael, commented on the last episode, Decathlon, uh, with this observation. Man, did this game destroy a bunch of controllers back in the day. The secret to getting a high score was cheating on the pole vault event. If you recall, last episode we played decathlon, and yeah, it, it's really frustrating because to run, it's not like you can just push the joystick over to the uh, to the right, which is typically the direction, pretty much always the direction you're running in, and just hold it there. You got to keep toggling your joystick, which sounds naughty, but it's not, uh, to make your guy run. And yeah, the poor CX40 takes a workout, uh, takes a beating, beating your joystick. Make of that what you will. I'm not sure how you cheat in the pole vault, but I am totally down for it. So I I responded to Michael's Patreon comment asking him how you do that exactly. I haven't gotten a response, so I would be curious to hear from Michael or or anyone else uh, ever who has any ideas for cheating, because I'm all about the cheat. So let me know. Thank you for the comment, Michael. Question! What does Jason say? Or maybe a little stuff. What does Jason say? He says 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 stu
first up in the Jason Says Stuff segment, we have uh, some feedback from Sean, Patreon supporter, friend of the show, all-around good dude. He responded to Jason's comment in the last segment to the effect that Jason thought that there was a doo-wop portion. A a doo-wop influence on some of the Beatles' work. Not being a Beatles expert, I responded to Jason in the last episode that I thought some of my fans, some of my listeners, were Beatles experts and would probably have thoughts on this, and I was correct. Sean does. And here's what he said. Jason's right. I'm sure you'll appreciate that, Jason. There is, Sean says, kinda sorta, a doo-woppy part in Happiness is a Warm Gun. I never would have thought that until he pointed it out. To be honest, the basic 12-bar 1VL minor 4V7, I don't know what any of that is, uh, pattern definitely lends itself to that kind of a vibe. After I recorded this segment of the podcast, I heard from friend of the show and podcaster in his own right, Robert Ferguson, Ferg, from uh, the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, uh, and also noted Beatles fan. Um, He commented, and I hesitate to read this, but he commented, I agree with Jason. Really, you guys got to stop giving uh, Jason a big head. Um, Ferg says, happiness as a warm gun has elements of doo-wop in the last section. But if you want to, if you want some great Beatles doo-wop, look no further than Big Daddy. Evidently was a 1950s live version of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I'd never heard that before, so thanks for sending that in, Ferd. I told him that uh, on the Facebook that I knew he'd come through for me, to which he replied, I'm here to help. Jason, of course, had thoughts about that. He also responded on the Facebook, That was a sacrilege to the title track of one of the great records in history. Yes, even Rolling Stone magazine had Sgt. Pepper at number one. But that doo-wop version just made John Lennon and George Harrison spin so wildly in their graves, you would have thought they were fidget spinners. Fidget spinners. That, by the way, would be the creepiest marketing idea ever. Harrison and Lennon fidget spinners. So there you go. Uh, I hope that we have put the uh, Beatles doo-wop controversy to rest, but I'm pretty sure we haven't. If anyone else has thoughts about this, let me know. He continues, my trick to playing at least the running events, by the way, was to use, uh, oh, he's he's talking about uh, Decathlon now. Uh, my trick to playing at least the running events, by the way, was to use a Vectrex controller. Buttons three and four would make Decathlon Harry run. I like that. Instead of Pitfall Harry, we call him Decathlon Harry. Definitely got a lot of charge calls with that. He goes on, I remember back in the 80s when I was borrowing my neighbor's copy. I never owned an Activision game until 2006. What? That's bullcrap, Sean. 
Turn in your podcaster license right now. You're not a true fan. All right, just kidding. Sean says, I found out that if you were good enough, the pole vault event would have been a kill. It would have a kill screen. If you got the barrier thingy high enough, it would eventually redraw itself so that it was only the height of the mat. Then would actually magically rise with the pole as Harry vaulted himself over. Oh, that's how you cheat. All right, I get it now. Uh, he says, after a few rounds of that, suddenly he would just float across the screen repeatedly ad infinitum. I, I have not tried this out. Uh, I read this comment earlier, but uh, with my Swiss cheese brain, I totally forgot it. So I'm remembering it again now. Uh, I will get Decathlon out later and give it a try because, as I said, I'm all about the cheating. Hey, thank you for that, Sean. Uh, both helping Jason's ego by saying he was correct and by telling the rest of us how to cheat on a video game. I think our work is done here. Just kidding. It's not really, because Jason also had things to say. And his comments come in the form of a story. Video Olympics by Jason Edward Schiffman. It's past midnight. Things are quiet in the Pepper household. Bug is fast asleep and snoring loudly on her favorite throw rug. Wow, Jason, it's like you've been in my house. You haven't been in my house, have you? Have you? Sorry, got distracted. He continues. All is calm except for a rumbling that is occurring in Williams Entertainment Center. Once a year, the elderly consuls of his youth race each other in what is known as the Video Olympics. Lined up at one end of the room is the Atari 2600, the telegames and television clone, the Game Boy that Henry occasionally plays, Tetris on, and the, 20, and the Xbox 360. They shake off their dust and try to appear limber as their arthritis and worn capacitors overheat. The cartridges for the various systems are lined up like cheering fans, and the Zaxxon cartridge fires the starting pistol. The elderly systems creep along. It remains close as all, uh, it remains close as all of them cough and sputter in a disgusting display of nasal congestion and wheezing. The Atari shuts down a pathetic six inches from the starting line. Game Boy snickers like a mischievous kid as he pushes past telegames and Xbox 360. Soon, Telegames overheats and becomes catatonic, and the race is now between the 360 and the Game Boy. Ouch! Xbox 360 develops the Red Ring of Death and sputters wildly off the course. Uh, only Game Boy is left running. Bug emerges. She's woken up by the strange contest, grabs Game Boy from the race, and literally, and literally brings the jaws of defeat. Atari cools off and eventually makes it across the finish line as a tearful Game Boy watches his lost chance at victory. Bug drags him to another room. He now spends his night bathed in dog slobber. Meanwhile, Atari 2600 is sprayed with champagne and spends a wild night switching between cartridges. Daybreak, the magic ends. Everyone goes to their places in the collection and Game Boy is wiped down and sent to his drawer. The system and the cartridges go back to their boring selves. On this day next year, the magic will begin again. That is unless Hypertint comes and teaches everyone what fresh circuits and an old soul can achieve. Um... Thank you, Jason. I, I am totally picturing a Pixar movie uh, in the works right now. I would absolutely write that movie. If uh, Pixar is listening, give me a call. Or email me at uh, ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, for the story. Um, you also sent me a, uh, a thing that says it's a picture of somebody's hand blocking some dominoes and some dollar bills floating around. And a title, Fix and Rebuild Your Own Credit, You Don't Have to Spend a Decade or More with Bad Credit. Author Jason Edward Schiffman. You know, uh, to be honest, I didn't look at this this close earlier. I did not notice the 
and author Jason Edward Schiffman part. This, I guess, is your book, right? Uh, coming out September 1st. You did add that. I, I did not really respond that much to, to, that, to that thing you sent me because I didn't quite get what it was. Now I get it. Congratulations on the book. If you have more info, and I assume you do, let me know, Jason. If you would like to send us some more info about what this book is, please do. I am happy to promote my listeners' stuff. Uh, Lord knows I spend enough time promoting my own stuff, like Hell Serial, Very Short Stories Fortified with Essential Syllables, or Misery Banana, or In the Saint Nick of Time. All books that you can order wherever you like to order books. Or go to CarnivalOfGleeCreations.com. So yeah, I spend enough time doing that that I am happy to uh, promote listeners' stuff. Congratulations on that. And, of course, we need more info from Jason because, as always, we ask... Question! What does Jason say? He says stuff! What does Jason say? Lots of stuff! What does Jason say? Or maybe a little stuff! What does Jason say? He says stuff! Jason says stuff and Atari Bites exclusive! Alright, let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is here in your head, as you have been for the last couple weeks, the stirring anthem of the Olympics. Because we're playing Video Olympics from Atari 1977. To be fair, to be honest, there's nothing Olympic about this cartridge, which is really just an assemblage of Pong-type games, of course. Video Olympics was, a lot of us know, uh, one of the original nine Atari cartridges in 1977 along with Air Sea Battle, Basic Math, Blackjack, Combat, Indy 500, Starship, Street Racer, and Surround. I guess it's Olympic in the sense that, you know, there's like volleyball and basketball, which are uh, Olympic events, of course, but I don't think uh, the Olympics proper has ever featured Foospong or Quadrapong. Hockey's the other one that's on this cartridge. Or Straight Up Pong. I don't think that's an Olympic event. I mean... Water polo is an Olympic event, and that shuffleboard thing, although I think that might be Winter Olympics. So I could certainly see Pong making a case that it should be uh, Olympic in nature, but so far, not so much. As we've been talking here, recording this segment of Jason Says Stuff, I sent a message to Jason saying I just realized that what he had sent me was a picture of the cover for his own book, uh, because I missed that the first time, and he, in real time, as I'm recording, responded that uh, he is building the website for the book right now and also enjoying some lovely Lay's potato chips, which he says is inspired by the last episode. Um, I'm going to be honest here. I don't remember why exactly, but that's okay. Thanks for that, Jason. Good luck with the book and the website. Um, When you have the website up, uh, send me the link, and I will share it with the listeners. So anyway, so we're playing Video Olympics. Um, In the field report later, I give you a very brief survey of some of the games uh, in there. I've already alluded to some of that. We've got Pong, Soccer, Foospong, which I think is what we played in the field report. Hockey, Quadrapong, which sounds like it could be naughty. Hey baby, you want to do some Quadrapong? Uh, Handball, Volleyball, Basketball. We use the paddles for this game, uh, which is unfortunate because my paddles do not work so great, Uh, particularly the left one, which of course is the one Henry made me use, but that's okay. There are some lovely paddle games. Uh, Warlords is what comes to mind immediately, which is a game I like a lot. I always have. Very basic looking game, but I've always really enjoyed it. So, with the uh, 
paddle controller, you turn the knob to move the paddle, obviously. Press the red controller button to speed hit, whammy catch, trademark, the ball or jump the paddle, depending on the game you play. Some games give you a particular game feature to use in competition. Activate these game features with the red controller button. I probably just edited out a throat clearing. I'm very phlegmy the last couple of days. I don't know why exactly. Hopefully not COVID. I, I'm vaccinated and all that, but I'm kind of, uh, yeah, I'm kind of uh, got a little uh, frog in my throat the last couple of days, even though it's scorching hot in the middle of July outside. So it's the, it's the bane of being a podcaster, I guess. I should go find some uh, a hot towel and some tea with lemon or something. I don't know. Anyway, I'll just power through. Speed. When you want to add some speed to the return ball, press the red controller button as the ball makes contact with your paddle. Whammy. Trademark. Put sharper angles on your return hits. Press the red controller button as the ball makes contact with the paddle. The angle, the angle will continue on your return hit as long as you press the red controller button or until your opponent returns the hit. Catch. Trademark? I don't know. They put a little trademark on here. Press the red controller button as the ball hits the paddle, and the ball will stick to the paddle. Use the time to plan strategy. Aim and hit, or pass to a team paddle. But move slowly and carefully. The ball will fly off the paddle if you make fast or sudden movements. No sudden movements! What is that from? Some sitcom. Where there's a joke, a running joke about no sudden movements. I think because... Whoever the character is is trying to get rid of a creepy little animal or something. I don't know. I can picture it in my head, but not quite. It's like blurry. If anyone has any idea what I'm thinking of, let me know. Anyway, make the paddle jump up to hit or spike the ball during certain games. Just press the red controller button and your paddle will jump from the bottom of the playfield to the playfield center. Be sure to activate the jump before the ball passes through the playfield center, or the ball will travel through the paddle instead of bouncing off the paddle. Note, to see what feature, what game features each game offers, check the game matrix at the conclusion of each game description. There are no fewer than 50 different games uh, included on the cartridge. Uh, they are, of course, all variations on Pong, right? The, the idea with all of them is you have a little ball bouncing around. The only audio in the game is the incessant little beeping of this ball, which frankly does get old after a while, and you are in various ways, trying to hit it back and forth with your paddle and score a goal or a basket or something. Really, the only difference between the games fundamentally are different barriers on the screen or no barriers on the screen or some versions of Pong where somebody's invisible, stuff like that. Foos Pong, I just meant we all have a basic idea what soccer and hockey and basketball and all that are. Foos Pong, F O O Z P O N G, which is what you're going to see in the field report. Uh, at least for part of it, is two opposing players, each controlling two rows of paddles. You can have anywhere from one to four players in any of these games, although looking at the game select matrix, really there are only two games where you can play by yourself. And that would be the first version of Pong and game number two, which is just another version of Pong. Otherwise, you got to have some other people, at least one other person. And that is how you play Video Olympics a.k.a. different types of Pong, from Atari. The original, you might say. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. 
Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. As we noted, Video Olympics, of course, was one of the original nine launch titles for the 2600, published when that system was released in September of 77. It's a collection of games from Atari's popular Arcade Pong series. A similar collection in arcade machine form called Tournament Table was published by Atari in 78. The game was designed by Joe DeCour, released, as we said, September 11, 1977, rebranded by Sears as Pong Sports, which, frankly, is a bit more accurate in my head, but, you know... Video Olympics is okay, too. The cartridge and its individual games were reviewed twice in Video Magazine. In Winter 79 issue, the cartridge was reviewed as part of a general review of Atari VCS and got a review score of 8.5 out of 10. Which begs the question, how could it not get 10? This was the first. There is nothing to compare it to. So why not just give it a 10? Anyway, uh, its constituent games were characterized as old standbys. Again, Old compared to what? But, quote, still lots of fun. A more thorough review appeared in Video's Arcade Alley column in the summer of 79, where it was generally praised for taking Atari's Pong concept and exploring it to the limit. Individual games were singled out as well, with praise for Volleyball and Robot Pong, described as astonishingly good, and criticism for Handball, for its use of a visually disturbing blinking paddle rather than an absent paddle to indicate inactive players. That seems kind of whiny to me. But anyway, and Basketball described as primitive compared to Atari's own 78 version of Basketball. Mark from the Classic Game Room Wiki seems to kind of agree with me that this should that this uh, cartridge should be an Olympic sport. If only the ancient Greeks could see this. His favorite version was ice hockey, and you really need two players, and basketball and volleyball are terrible. Thank you, Mark. HonestGamers.com is a bit more effusive. Pong fans rejoice. Pong was the first video game that millions of people instantly got hooked on and one of the first games to ever hit the arcades, if not the first. Video Olympics slash Pong Sports for the Atari 2600 has the original Pong and much more. Original Pong was one of the most simplistic and one of the most addicting video games of all time. Pong Sports has that game and a lot of other variations. The soccer variations were his favorite. Volleyball is also lots of fun. Last and least, in my opinion, but still fun, are the basketball games. Pong Sports is one of the best overall games for the 2600, and it's definitely one of the premier multiplayer games for the system. It might not be anything spectacular in the sound, graphics, or most other departments, but when it comes to fun and replay value, it's packed with classic fun. Strategy Wiki has a little summary of the origins of the Atari VCS slash Atari 2600. The Atari VCS would be different from others, in that it would be programmable and not dedicated so they could play many theoretically unlimited different types of games. In addition to making a system that the cloners would be unable to keep up with, for a while anyway, they created one programmable cartridge that would make all the other dedicated Pong consoles obsolete overnight. Video Olympics. 
Unfortunately, due to the limitations of space for the program, in order to cram all of those games in the cartridge, only two Pong games out of all 50 variations are for one player. So, all this talk about uh, a game cartridge called Video Olympics and the fact that the actual Olympics are on TV all over the place lately, uh, it made me start thinking about the Olympics. The original, you might say. The ones that are considered the world's foremost sports competition with more than 200 nations participating. Those Olympics. Normally held every four years. Or <clears throat> every five. Alternating between the Summer and Winter Olympics every two years in the four-year period. Uh, five years between Summer Olympics, I should say. The creation was inspired by the ancient Olympic Games, held in Olympia, Greece, from the 8th century BC to the 4th century AD. Baron Pierre de Corbutin founded the International Olympic Committee in 1894, leading to the first modern games in Athens in 1896. The IOC is the governing body of the Olympic movement, with the Olympic Charter defining its structure and authority. There have been many changes over the years, adjustments including creation of the Winter Games for snow and ice sports, the Paralympic Games for athletes with disabilities, the Youth Olympic Games for athletes aged 14 to 18, the Five Continental Games, Pan American, African, Asian, European, and Pacific, and the World Games for sports that are not contested in the Olympic Games. The IOC also endorses the Deaf Olympics and Special Olympics. The abuse of amateur rules by the Eastern Bloc nations prompted the IOC to shift away from pure amateurism, as envisioned by Kurbutin, to the acceptance of professional athletes participating in the games, in the games, which is uh, a move that I'm not particularly excited about, uh, but that's just me. There have been growing I- uh, issues of corporate sponsorship, commercial commercialization. The world wars led to the cancellation of the 1916, 1940, and 44 Olympics. There are boycotts during the Cold War. Um, the 2020 Olympics, of course, were postponed until 2021 as a result of COVID-19. Over 14,000 athletes competed at the 2016 Summer Olympics and 18 Olympics, combined in 35 different sports and 400 events. The first, second, and third place finishers in each event receive Olympic medals, gold, silver, and bronze, respectively. Nearly every nation is now represented. The ancient Olympics were religious and athletic festivals held every four years at the Sanctuary of Zeus in Olympia, Greece. Competition was among representatives of several city-states and kingdoms of ancient Greece. The games were mainly athletic, but also combat sports, such as wrestling and the Pancration, horse and chariot racing events. Let's go back to Pancration. What is that? A sporting event introduced into the Greek Olympic Games in 648 BC, an empty hand submission sport with few rules. The athletes used boxing and wrestling techniques, but also others, such as kicking, holds, joint locks, and chokes on the ground, making it similar to modern mixed martial arts. Wow. It has been widely written that during the games, all conflicts among the participating city-states were postponed until the games were finished. The cessation of hostilities was known as the Olympic Peace or Truce. The idea is a modern myth because the Greeks never suspended their wars. The origin of the Olympics is shrouded in mystery and legend. One of the most popular myths identifies Heracles and his father Zeus as the progenitors of the games. According to legend, it was Heracles who first called the games Olympic and established the custom of holding them every four years. This four-year period was known as an Olympiad, used by the Greeks as one of their units of time measurement. So Zeus and his kid came up with the Olympics. Zeus, of course, was one of the ancient Olympic gods. He hung out on Mount Olympus, which is the highest mountain in Greece. 52 peaks and deep gorges, one of the highest peaks in Europe in terms of topographic prominence. Oh, 
By the way, Pong, you remember Pong, right? Was a table tennis themed arcade sports video game featuring simple two dimensional graphics manufactured by Atari and originally released in 1972. One of the earliest arcade video games. Created by Alan Alcorn as a training exercise assigned to him by Atari co founder Nolan Bushnell. But Bushnell and Atari co founder Ted Dabney were surprised by the quality of the work and dis- decided to manufacture the game. The concept was based on an electronic ping-pong game included in the Magnavox Odyssey, their first, the first home video game console. In response, Magnavox later sued Atari for patent infringement. After release, several sequels built upon the original and added new features. During the 75 Christmas season, Atari released a home version of Pong exclusively through Sears retail stores. The home version was also a commercial success and led to numerous clones. Pong is part of the permanent collection of the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C. due to its cultural impact. All right. I think that's all my uh, fun facts for now. After the break, with Pong, you can't go wrong. Or can you? I was going to do the Olympic song, but I suddenly blanked on what it is. Uh, That's okay, because we're still suffering from Olympic fever here in the uh, Atari Byte studio. Uh, So much so that even though I'm a podcaster with no friends, uh, I have kids. So I was able to drag one in today. You know him. You love him. He's everybody's favorite. It's Henry. Hi, Henry. Bonjour. He uh, agreed to join me today because we're playing Video Olympics. Uh, Pong, basically, uh, for those of you who don't know. Um, and the, these Pong games work better if you have another person. So I made him show up. We're playing what essentially looks like a foosball kind of thing. I'm playing on a cartridge. It is foosball. It is foosball. Uh, I'm playing on a cartridge. There's a little bit of static going on. So the picture's a little staticky. Uh, but the annoying little beep sounds work just fine. So I definitely don't get up to, like... Volume dogs came here. You think so? Yeah. When we played with it, only noise, it got really high pitch. Yeah. So Bug is probably not a fan of Pong, but uh, we'll get through this and then we'll move on. We've already played foosball a little bit. Henry, uh, it was a close match, but Henry beat me 21-18. What? Uh, I would like to, uh, to whine a little bit and note that the paddle that I'm using I don't know if you can see that on camera or not. Uh, the little turny thingy doesn't work very well. So I'm, if I lose, if I lose, I'm gonna blame the turny thingy. That's my plan. So uh, Henry, should we do some foos? Sure. All right. You want to hit the reset button? I'm yellow. I'm blue. Together we make yellow and blue. Of course, so uh, it's pretty basic looking. 
What do you think of the look of this game, Henry? Looks like sand. Sand? Yeah. How so? Static. Oh, well, just ignore the static. Normally they wouldn't be there, but this cartridge came out in 1977. Wow. Yeah, I that's was even younger than you then. That's how old this thing is. Yeah, that's pretty funny. There, I just scored on you, buddy. Even though I'm an old. I just scored on you. All tied up. on screen what some of the other games look like. We don't have to play them necessarily. Might be getting your two to shot of me. I don't know. No. There's that thing. Whoa. I don't know what that's supposed to be. Is that that quadrupong thing? Maybe? Probably. I don't know. You want to try it? Alright, we have some ball action. 
Yes, two to one. I'm on the scoreboard finally. That should have been a goal. I got robbed, I tell you. What, yes. what do you? I know. I suppose because we're on the same team, I guess. I don't no, know. Well, my two guys are. 3-2, I am ahead. Those of you who can't see what's happening, there's just a lot of bouncing. We're all tied up. 3-3. Three, three. Oh, that's nice. We're passing it back and forth. Hey, we were having a nice little moment there. He's going zooming. Yeah, I don't understand. Hey. Apparently the serve passes back and forth. One time I have to release the ball, one time Henry does. No, I was too slow. Too slow, I tell you. 5-3, Henry's ahead. All tied up at six six. Kind of annoying? Yeah. Why? Well, the sounds are pretty primitive. You just got that little beep, that's about it. But yeah, just remember, in 1977, it blew people's minds. <laughs> yes, 9-7. Double digits. That's okay with me. Eleven seven. I am pulling ahead by a lot.
1812. Just two more points for me. Twenty to twelve. I just need one more point to put this away. Yes, twenty-one to twelve. I win. At this game, Henry's probably never gonna play again. Is that a fair guess, Henry? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that was fun. Going back to nineteen seventy-seven. Good times. All right. Back to you in the studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, let's take a break from you listening to me talk so that you can listen to me talk. Hell's Serial, Very Short Stories Fortified with Essential Syllables is the new short story collection from, well, me. Every box, or book, is chock full of bite-sized stories in every genre from sci-fi to fantasy to literary fiction to cheesy spy stories and everything in between. Zombies in Love, Twisted Car Races, and the aforementioned Devilish Breakfast Food are just some of the tasty bites you'll find. Toy surprises? You bet. How about social commentary and the meaning of life? Pizza decoder ring any day. With both funny stuff and drama, Hell's Cereal gives you the marshmallows and the toasted oat flakes. Oh, and words. Lots of those, too. Pick up Hell's Cereal, very short stories fortified with essential syllables, wherever you'd like to get your books. Not cereal. Here's the thing about Video Olympics. Somewhat to my surprise, I think even Henry enjoyed playing this game. I, uh, drafted him. Yeah, and he doesn't usually do the field reports, uh, at least not an on-camera, so to speak, role. He's often my cameraman and will inject comments, but he rarely anymore plays the games with me um, for whatever reason. So I was uh, I drafted him to do it today. I guess he was in a good mood, and I think he had kind of had fun. At one point in the field report, I asked him, would you ever play this game again? And I don't know if the audio, if the microphone picked it up. But he kind of shrugged and said, no, 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 which for him is a, a big commitment. So who knows? I think he kind of liked it. And I kind of like it too. It is simple and addicting. And there's not much point in talking about the audio and graphics because uh, they're basic. We know they're basic. It, this was old technology. This is old technology now. It was new technology in the 70s, and it was amazing at that time. And I get why people loved it. And I think it's great. I think it's great that it has that quality that people still love, uh, even 50 years later. Go play Pong, damn it, is what I'm saying. Forget your uh, your uh, Red Dead Redemption or your um, insert game here, or even your uh, Yars Revenge. You know what? 
You don't need, you don't need Activision. I can't believe I said that. All you really need is Pong. Go play some Pong. You can't go wrong. It's story time on Atari Bytes. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story is titled Mount Olympus Five and Dime. Demeter, goddess of the harvest and agriculture, no sooner set down an overflowing crate of olives when Ares burst through the front door of Mount Olympus Five and Dime toppling the crate. Oh God, Ares screamed. For the love of me, I need a bandage. Aisle six, peeved Demeter said as the god of war sprinted off, leaving a little trail of godly blood. Demeter gathered up the olives and wondered, not for the first time, if she'd be better off as a mortal. Aphrodite stalked into the store, love in her heart and fire in her eyes. She called after Ares. You wouldn't need a bandage if you gave love a shot instead of so much war. Don't try to change me, Aphrodite. Ares called from somewhere near the whitening toothpaste. Aphrodite, ignoring him, hesitated near the rack of discount t-shirts with cute little ferrets on them. She considered clothing herself, then thought better of it. Why go changing perfection? She went in search of Ares. The heavens rumbled as, a, as the doors parted. A deep voice intoned, This five and dime is about fourteen more than enough for a deity like me. Zeus said as he entered the Mount Olympus Five and Dime. He chuckled at his own joke, which was often the case. Demeter, though, had work to do. Can I help you? She said. The dice of Zeus always falls lucky, the god of the sky said. The pearl-handled manscaping set you ordered hasn't come in yet, Zeus. It's not possible to trick or escape the mind of Zeus, the god of all gods said. Tuesday, Demeter said. The boat from Persia is late, what with all the warring and stuff. Zeus stewed. The little bell atop the five-and-dime front door clattered to the floor as the door swung open and a frantic Apollo rushed in. The muses clinging to him. Apollo cast pleading eyes at Demeter. Demeter sighed and pointed. <sighs> Condoms, aisle four. She was compelled to add, pregnancy test two. Not that paternity was a huge concern among the twelve Olympians. Hera pushed a winged stroller into the five-and-dime, 47 children in tow. She looked exhausted. Diapers, Demeter said. Aisle nine, she sniffed. Air fresheners are two for one today. The children's, the children's wail floated on a fetid cloud through the store. A deep, forlorn sigh from Harry Zeus. Look, I can offer you a two-for-one deal on a milkshake, Demeter said. Zeus rose to his full height his regal head displacing the water-stained tiles in the drop ceiling. You dare to deny the mind of Zeus? Thunder rolled, toppling the toilet paper pyramid. We also have shortbread cookies, Demeter said. Zeus slumped a bit. Strawberry shake, please. He pouted toward the ice cream counter. For know that no one is free except Zeus, the god said as he spun on the stool petulantly. I'm not running a tab for you anymore, Zeus. Athena's spear pursed the Formica counter. Sugar shall be the ruin of you, father, the warrior Athena declared as she stepped out from behind the magazine rack, a copy of God Stuff Monthly in her hand. Dionysus stepped from behind the pharmacy counter. It's all good, baby, 
If he goes down, I got some substances that'll perk him right up. Meanwhile, shrieks and moans erupted from the bondage, er, bandage aisle. Stop that right now, came an indignant response from somewhere else in the store. Let it go, Artemis, Demeter called. You destroy those prophylactics and skin mags again, you're going to pay for them. More shrieks of delight, this time from the lipstick aisle. That's not what those tubes are for, Aphrodite, Demeter called. Hephaestus walked into the store, tools clinking together on his belt. Where, where have you been? Demeter demanded. You were supposed to start working on the remodel last Tuesday. Hephaestus cast a weary eye on his fellow Olympian. Torch race festival, he said. The Athenians love me. That was days ago, Demeter argued. They really love me. <sighs> Just get to work. Zeus, call down some lightning, Hephaestus said. Take out the east wall for me. Zeus wiped milkshake from his beard. He belched, then, No, you still owe me for the Parthenon job. Over the store's PA system, the dulcet tones of Hermes announced, Welcome to the Mount Olympus Five and Dime, shoppers. In aisle two, you'll find a bargain on winged sandals. Two for one with coupon. Need a snack? Pick up some pastelli bars. Three for two drachmas at the front counter. While you're there, consider picking up a coupon book for the afterlife. Trust me, you'll need it. Dang it, Zeus said. You didn't tell me there were pastelli bars. Now I'm all full of milkshake. His pout deepened. Few people recognized the link between the Make Love Not War 1960s counterculture and ancient, ancient Greece. Those people were not Aphrodite and Ares, who were totally down with the concept. Hermes got on the PA. Clean up in aisle 12, he announced. Shoppers, please try to ignore the amorous couple. Direct your attention to the sale on gently used inflatable pool toys. Today only. Poseidon was stuck hosing the store down after closing. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons use of his songs, Reformat. Take a Chance in Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme and the Jason Says Stuff theme. Please the Apple Podcast gods with a five-star review of this Olympics-caliber podcast. No gold medal required. Oh, okay, I'd like that too. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, check us out on Instagram. Um, you can call us too. I am never, ever, ever going to answer the phone. It's nothing personal. But you can leave a voicemail at 563-265-1978 about, frankly, pretty much anything you want. And I'll probably play it on the show. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com, for all the things you need about me. Um, there is information and links and social media for this show, Atari Bytes, and my other show, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. There is similar information, along with links for places to order books that I've written, like Hell Serial, Very Short Stories, Fortified with Essential Syllables. All there in one place at carnivalofgleecreations.com. You can also uh, support the show 
by signing up as a member of the Patreon project, uh, the Atari Bytes Patreon project, that is, on patreon.com. Link in the show notes. Patrons get stuff, ranging anywhere from my thanks to early access to the episodes to bonus stuff from time to time that I put up there that regular listeners don't get. Like, for example, every week, a really crummy video of the field report. Uh, And then other things occasionally as they come to mind and I have time to put them up. You also get to hang out with these fine folks who have my eternal gratitude. Michael Tyler, Jose Gazeta, Sean Courtney, M. West, and Patrick McCarthy, Jeremy L., and Jason Schiffman. Thanks to all of them. All right, we're about out of here, other than to tell you what's up next month, by which time we will be late into August. Can you believe the summer is, if not over yet, almost over? Where is life going? What's happening to my life? I don't know, but I have muffins with hazelnut spread, so it could be worse. Speaking of worse, next time on Atari Bytes, we're going to play Smurfs Rescue in Gargamel's Castle. I felt like I had played this before for the show, and I was kind of hoping I had, but I think really what happened is I, I have had it on the schedule a few times before and kept moving it, but now I have finally pinned myself down for whatever reason. To play this game. So that's what we're going to do. It'll be a smurfing, good smurfing smurf time next time on Atari Bytes. Hope you join me. And until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.